Welcome to the audio sermons of South Baton Rouge Presbyterian Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We hope you are encouraged by listening. For more information, please feel free to browse our site at www.sbrpc.org. We've been in a brief four-week series that the elders asked me to do on the subject of stewardship and generosity. And our final sermon in that series this morning is going to come from Mark chapter 12, the Gospel of Mark. And I chose this passage for two reasons. One is that we're starting a series next week through the Gospel of Mark, which I'm really excited about, and I'll tell you more about that next week. But this kind of serves as a bridge for me getting back into the Gospel of Mark. But second, this is the story of a poor widow. And this poor widow gave these two small copper coins worth about a penny for her offering, a tiny amount financially. And yet, this poor widow with her small offering is the perfect example of everything we've been talking about in this series up to this point. Because she is living out of her true wealth and her true identity. She's free from fear and anxiety. She's giving sacrificially. She's giving generously. She's giving joyfully. In short, she's giving just to give. So let me read Mark 12, 38 through 44, and then I want to begin unfolding for us what it means to give to give. Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 38. This is God's holy word. And in his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury And watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's go before him now before we begin talking about this and ask for his help. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do pray that you would pour out your spirit in order that we would understand your word, in order that we would come under the conviction of your word and its truth, that we would also come under the conviction that we are loved by you because of what Jesus has done for us. And Father, we pray that the joy that is ours in understanding how much we are loved in Jesus would fill us up to overflowing, that we indeed might become those who give just to give out of our joy in Jesus. 
For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. This description of the scribes in verses 38 through 40 and the description of the widow that comes in the following verses, um, the widow who gave these two small copper coins, these stories are right next to each other because I think they're a study in contrast, right? Um, They represent two approaches to life. They represent two approaches to giving. Um, And so I want us to look briefly today at these two approaches. One approach, uh, the approach of the scribes, I'm going to call giving to get. And the other approach, the approach of the widow, I'm going to call giving to give. So here's a map for today's sermon, which is going to be a brief sermon uh, because we're going to save some time for our congregational meeting. Um, and having said that, if you've heard me preach before, your mind is probably right now filled with doubts. Um, can Nathan actually preach a short sermon? Um, well, I'm a preacher. I love seeing doubters come to belief. So um, we're going to give our best shot. But here's the, here's the roadmap for today's sermon. We want to talk about these three things, giving to get, giving to give, and how to give to give. Um, A lot of twos in that last one. But anyway, first, giving to get. Um, Jesus said, beware of the scribes. Beware. means be careful. Beware because something that may not appear dangerous to you is in reality incredibly dangerous. Why does he say beware of the scribes? Because all of their their external religious activity that appeared so good on the outside was actually extremely calculated and fueled by this approach to life that is giving in order to get. See, they wanted... And they needed to be seen in their long ceremonial robes, verse 38. They needed others to know that they were religious, right? They needed to get approval, to be greeted in the marketplaces, and to get respect. They jockeyed for positions, we're told, in the synagogues, verse 39. They wanted and they needed to be in places of honor at feasts. They devoured widows' houses. You see, scribes made their living off of raising their own financial support. And so what would often happen is that they would go and meet with widows and with long, pretentious prayers, they would convince widows to bequeath their inheritance to them while they left widows destitute. You know, it's possible that this poor widow that follows in this story, it's possible that she is so impoverished because she's in fact been taken advantage of by the scribes in this way. And it it looked like humble service, like we're here to help you give to the ministry. But a lot of evil and a lot of abuse can be rationalized under the guise of service when it's fueled by a desire to give in order to get All their religious activity was calculated, in other words. They were giving to get a return. 
so that they could be seen as important, so that they could be respected, so that they could be honored. But, you know, why? Why would they, why would we ever give in order to get? You know, the Bible says that ever since mankind fell into sin, we are all, at our core, fundamentally hiders. Right? If you want to know who you really are, you need to rethink the entirety of your life in terms of hiding and covering up. You know, there's a Bible story that makes little kids giggle and probably preteens blush and teenagers curious, and it really makes adults nervous and uncomfortable if they think about it a little bit. It's the story of Adam and Eve who were naked and unashamed, we're told at the end of Genesis chapter 2. But as soon as they sinned in Genesis chapter 3, they felt a desperate need to cover up and hide their nakedness with fig leaves. And ever since that moment, we are all born into this world under a cloud of shame. We're born into this world and we feel a deep sense of condemnation over our lives. A painful self-awareness that we're not enough, even if we can't put our finger on it. That we, we come into this world and we feel like immediately there is something deeply wrong with us. And we're deeply afraid of being found out to be a fraud. And we're afraid that we don't have what it takes. And we're afraid that if someone came along and measured us, we would be found wanting. That if someone ever saw the real us, they would run away from us in horror to see what our hearts are really like. And so we desperately want, and we need to get our shame covered, to prove we're enough, to prove that we're worthy of love, that we're worthy of respect, that we're okay. Because just like Adam and Eve, we can't bear to be seen for who and what we are. And so all our lives we're hiding, and we're covering up. And we give so that we can get fig leaves to cover our nakedness. How do we do it? We perform and we achieve and we control and we spin and we manage perceptions. And we conform and we get very religious. All in an effort to hide. Our activity in giving is calculated. Giving to get a covering for our shame. But by the way, we also hide and cover up by being irreligious and rebellious, and angry, and cynical. But that's a sermon for another day. Because here Jesus warns us of the religious forms of hiding. Because in religion, hiding is so, so sneaky. It's so easy to deceive others and to deceive ourselves that we're actually giving in order to get So my favorite illustration of this approach, some of you have probably heard this before, comes from the movie, the classic movie, Anchorman. Um, 
So there's that, this famous scene where Ron Burgundy, played by Will, Farrow, Will Ferrell, is telling Veronica Corningstone, who he's trying to impress, and he says to her this. He says, I'm kind of a big deal, right? People know me. I'm very important. I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. Now, centuries earlier, if Ron Burgundy had been a scribe, he would have said this, I'm kind of a big deal. I have long robes. People know me in the marketplaces. I'm very important. I have the best seats in the synagogue, and I sit in the places of honor. You know, and no one says it out loud like that. That's, that's why we laugh at Will Ferrell. He says those things that nobody says out loud. But why would we even think like that? Because we are all so very insecure. Because deep down, you know it's all fragile fig leaves. But the stakes are incredibly high. Because you've got to prove that you're okay, that you matter, that you're lovable. And so you give to get desperately trying to hide and cover up your shame. All right, second, let's talk about giving to give. After saying this about the scribes, Jesus took his disciples on a field trip to do a little people watching at the temple. And so they were in the court of women where people brought their offerings, and they would bring their offerings in, and there were these trumpet-like receptacles, and they would drop their offerings into these receptacles. And so rich people came through, and they put in these large sums of money, these big gifts. But then a widow came in, and she dropped in two small copper coins worth about a penny in verse 42. You know, I was getting change at the gas station last week, and I dropped a penny when I was getting my change, and it kind of, you know, it clinked and it rolled around the gas station floor. You know what I did? I just left. <laughs> like, I wasn't going to chase that penny around on the gas station floor. That's how I roll, people. I just let pennies go. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, it's nothing. It's so insignificant. I could just leave it there. But Jesus was amazed that this woman gave a penny. And he basically said, hey guys, come here and check this out. Verse 43. Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. And the disciples were probably thinking, oh, here he goes again, saying weird stuff. But let's ask the question, why? Right, why was Jesus so amazed? Why was he so impressed with this widow who put a penny into the offering box? It wasn't the amount. It was that she was giving just to give. Right, verse 44, they gave out of their abundance, and she out of her poverty. What's that telling you? She could not afford to give. But she wanted to give anyway. Right? She was trusting something or someone other than her money to give her her identity, to cover her shame. Right? She was freely loving something or someone more than the way she appeared to others. 
There is no calculation in her giving. She wasn't trying to prove she mattered or she was significant or that she was lovable or respectable. She wasn't giving to get anything. She was just giving to give. She gave out of her poverty, Jesus said, and put in everything she had to live on. A more literal translation of that would be, she gave out of her poverty and put in everything, even her own life. The word there for life is bios, where we get our word biology, right? The amount she put in was the least, but the sacrifice was the greatest. For her to put that in, it affected her life. It altered her lifestyle. Right? See, the way we know we're giving out of our abundance is when it doesn't alter our lifestyle. Right? We can give a lot from the margins without ever altering our lifestyle. The amount may be a lot, but the sacrifice the least. Are you following me here? Because we can give and we can go on wearing the same clothes and eating at the same restaurants, and vacationing in the same places, and living in the same neighborhoods, and driving the same cars, and buying the same brands, and staying just as comfortable as we've always been. Giving to give, she didn't give out of the margins, but out of her substance. And she gave up more than money. Because what is this widow giving up when she puts that amount in? This huge sacrifice for her. She is giving up what little control she had of her life. And you know you're giving out of your abundance when you can afford to give without losing any perceived control you have over your life. Yeah, I've got to get to the last point, but I want you to play with a little question maybe later today or throughout this week. And I want you to honestly ask yourself, who in this story is more free? Those who are giving to get or those who are giving to give? Because doing the math and having to calculate your giving, that's a lot of work. And trying to stay in control and constantly covering up your shame due to the fact that fig leaves are always wilting and falling off. Giving to get is exhausting and never-ending work. But giving to give... The freedom of giving up the illusion you have of your control in your life. Giving without any calculations. Giving because you want to give, not because you have to. Giving without caring what others think. Giving simply for the joy of giving. That is real freedom. All right, so last, how to give to give. Or how do you become someone who gives just to give? How do you get there? Look, Even if you buy that giving to give might be more freeing, and maybe you need to think about that some more, it is still awfully scary to think about, right? To give at the level that your lifestyle is uh, um, altered, to give at the level that you lose control in your life, that sounds awfully scary. But here's what I want you to think about as we bring things to a close. This widow, we're told, put in everything she had. 
even her own life, her bios. Now listen, you know what that is. That's a metaphor, right? Where a word is applied to an action which is not literally applicable. That's Oxford Dictionary's definition of a metaphor. You know this is a metaphor. She didn't literally give her life. She metaphorically gave her life. Ah, but there is someone. There is someone who literally gave his own life. Jesus. He gave his bios. Right, why did he let control, let go of his control and voluntarily allow himself to be devoured on the cross? Why did he lose control? What held the maker of all things to a wooden cross until he breathed his last breath? Surely not the nails. I mean, he told his disciples that he could have called down more than 12 legions of angels if he wanted. No, what held him there was love. It was love for you that moved him to give up his life for you. You know what this means? He saw you as you are, and he didn't run from you in horror. Instead, he ran into the horror of the cross and God-forsaken darkness for you. He saw that you needed a permanent covering for your shame that could alone destroy that exhausting, never-ending need to try to cover yourself up. A covering that would set you free and fill you with such joy that you could finally in your life give just to give. You know, we don't know much about this widow but she was in the temple. And so I think it's likely that she knew the story of Adam and Eve. You may never ever read a page out of the Bible, but you've heard of Adam and Eve before. I think it's likely that she knew this story of how they foolishly tried to cover their nakedness with wilting fig leaves. And I think she probably knew how that story ended in Genesis chapter 3 too. Here's how it ended. God himself came down in order to cover their nakedness with animal skins, a permanent covering in place of their fig leaves. And that story was pointing her to a God who loved her in her brokenness and who was committed to covering her shame through a bloody sacrifice. And how much more do you now know that the bloody sacrifice to permanently cover your shame was God's own son? Because you see, he looked at you and he saw who you are. He saw the parts of you you don't even know exist. And he did the math. And he did the calculations. And he decided having you was worth all his suffering and even the giving up of his own life. Now, what if you believed, <clears throat> not just in short sermons, but what if you believed that? What if you could take that story down into your insecurities 
and your fear that no matter who you are or what you've done or where you've been or how dirty you feel or how worthless you feel, the king of glory loves you like that. Not only did he not run from you in horror, but he ran into horror itself for you to deliver you from that. I mean, if that gets in your heart, that is wonderful, glorious freedom. And you can finally lay your deadly doing down. All your external religious activities, you can lay them down at Jesus' feet and rest in him and stand in him and in him alone, gloriously complete as the hymn goes. Trust in the one who lost control for you and you'll find a joy that frees you to lose control for him so that you can give without calculation so that you can give out of your true wealth and identity, so that you can give without fear, and you can give just to give. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for meeting us in it and for lifting our eyes in it to see Jesus, who himself was devoured in order that we might find our life in him, in order that our shame would be covered, in order that we would know what wealth is ours, a relationship with the one who made us and loves us. Father, please set us free. You know how easily and how quickly our hearts turn towards other masters. And Father, we pray that you would draw us to Jesus, the one master who can set us free and set us free even to give radically, generously, and sacrificially with joy. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon of South Baton Rouge Presbyterian Church. Please feel free to pass it along to others who might be encouraged by this message. Also, if you have any questions or would like to know more about the church or a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, please feel free to browse our website at www.sbrpc.org or contact the church office directly at area code 225-768-9999. Again, thank you for listening.